This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, episode 25. Yes, we are a quarter of a century. I am your host, Terence Ford of redandblueirby.co.uk, and I am here along with the whole radio senior citizens, Patrick O'Connor and Nick Philpott, to build you up to our trip to the champions-elect Chelsea. Chelsea fan and social media mogul at Terence the Cats will be returning to give us the lowdown on the opposition and our classic match this week will be Peter Taylor versus Chelsea in the FA Cup of 1976. Before all of that, remember to head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Okay, before we get into anything this week, um, a boat full of Palace fans will be heading down the Thames to Chelsea this weekend. The boat the boat departs from Festival Pier at 9.45 and arrives at Putney at 1pm. If you would like to cruise down to Stamford Bridge, contact us on Twitter at Whole Radio or contact Grant Saunders on the Eagles Have Landed on Your Manor Facebook page. Availability is very limited, so getting fast to avoid disappointment and all of the proceeds go to the Quedon 7 Fund. And if you take this boat trip, you will get an opportunity to meet the Nick Philpotts. And, um, you know, if you've ever felt any pressure about anything he's ever said, you can just fry him overboard. Isn't that right, Nick? Yeah, you come up to me and say, Captain Pugwash. Captain Pugwash, I know that then you listen to this podcast. Okay, I might even buy you a beer. <laughs> and um, what are the ticket prices on that, mate? Uh, it's £15 per head, um, but we really need to get names onto the manifest, okay? And I think that's a bit of a legal requirement. So if you do want a ticket for this this trip, and I know this trip's happened two or three times before and been very successful, 
I think Grant and the boys are very pleased with the response because they literally only have 20 or 30 tickets left out of 150. So it's going to be packed. And I've also just heard that there's actually a second boat running, I believe, going from a different pier from the, the HF guys are going on by boat. But I don't know whether they're going just down by with one of the launches or something like that. But get on to Grant's boat. It should be a great day, great atmosphere. There's going to be raffle prizes on there and everything else. And as uh, Terence has already said, all proceeds are going to the Croydon 7 Fund. Yep, I've certainly done a boat journey up there before. Um, they do nice bacon sarnies first thing, and you're absolutely hammered by midday. So um, if that's your kind of thing, get into that. Also in the background there behind Nick, we have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Welcome, Patrick. Hello, lads. How are you? Not too bad. Have you um, Welcome, cleared your drive of all the snow yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gone. It's springtime in America. Yay. Just about. I was um, obviously over there and saw Patrick uh, when the West Brom when, when the West Brom game was on, and I just caught the back end of well, the start of the snow and um, suffered a three-hour delay on the plane. But um, I had a lovely stay in your adopted country, Patrick, despite everything that's going on there. <laughs> it was lovely um, to see you again, mate. Yeah, and thanks for the um, James MacArthur tea coaster. I'd, <laughs> <Anytime. I'd, laughs> I, I can't use it though. I don't want to put anything on James MacArthur's face, so it just sort of sits <laughs> on my table. <laughs> um, right, we're going to start this week with uh, Alan Pardew, who's been talking about his time at Palace in an interview. He's obviously um, got a bit too bored at going to watch Sutton games, so now he's talking about his past. Um, and he says, and I quote, I was thinking about training for the next day, changing the team. Who do I buy in January? Um, when I went to see Steve, I thought I was going to talk transfers. Did I think there was a chance it was ending? I'm not daft. It was maybe a 35% chance in my mind, but I didn't think it would happen. It was not an unusual meeting, but when I walked through the door, I knew. I don't believe we would have got relegated. How do you feel about those comments, Nick? I don't believe we would have got relegated, he said. I'm afraid it just highlights the delusion of the man, doesn't it? I mean, we were in a difficult, dark dark place then um, and if he if he thinks he only had a 35% chance of uh, it happening well we all thought it was more like an 80% chance of it happening the guy is clearly deluded isn't he mm, Patrick what do you think do you think he's more thinking it wouldn't have happened at that time you, if he was still there at that point he was going to get to the end of January or do you you think he's delusional I think he actually believes he wouldn't get relegated I think he actually believes that see just kind of watching how he managed our team and how he managed in the past, I don't think he believes in failure. And to manage at that top level, I just think that he really thought he could find a way to get us out of it. But as a fan, watching us lose games 5-4 and 3-2 after, being, after winning, is, is, is we have a different perspective. So I think he actually believes that, but I think he's, like Nick, is a little bit deluded. Yeah, he said um, he also spoke about being loyal to a fault. Can you think of any specific players he might be referencing there? Yeah, the goalkeeper for one. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're biased in any way, POC. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, because oh, well, I, I was reading between the lines there, maybe thinking Jason Punchin. Possible, but you, it's, a, it's a great point. But you think about what Allardyce did with Punchin, making him captain and how... His play hasn't improved, but leadership has improved tremendously as as our performances. So it's interesting how you're probably right. You probably should have uh, put stuck him on a bench at some point. 
I'm thinking maybe Kabai, honestly. That might be another one. He might have been a bit too loyal to. Well, I've got another Kabai one. Did, that, I've yet. got another one, and I think it's Scott Dan because it was him that stripped uh, Jedanak of the captaincy and gave it to Dan. Another and he, great and, point. And he, and he thought that he had to save face by p- playing him when he's clearly out of form, week in, week out. Mm, interesting points. I think. Um, Scott Dan now is suffering from that form. I don't. Uh, he's going to struggle to get back in with the way that Sacco and Tompkins have been playing together. So, certainly interesting point now in his form. But he obviously does add goals from defence. So, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses for Dan over the next well over the coming months and then into the summer transfer window. Obviously, the big the big talking point this week has been uh, Wilfred Zaha's Messi esque goal against Russia. And the outpouring of why of England <laughs> managed to let him slip through the net. Um, Gareth Southgate has said, I didn't really appreciate that there was a disappearing egg timer on him going to the Ivory Coast. He was the first player I went to see when I got the job permanently, but he'd already made up his mind. If you don't feel internal 100% passion for playing for England, then I'm not sure it's up to me to sell that to you. <laughs> so let's start with Southgate's comments there. Uh, do you think it was right that he was questioning his passion, Patrick? That's a bit unfair. I mean, you know, though he wasn't born here, he's 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 raised here. He played f- through the youth system, played for 21s. I don't I even played for the full international team, so I don't understand where, why at any point he he would question Wilf. He never picked Wilf. He hasn't Wilf hasn't been picked for ages by a manager for England. So why would why would why would Wilf sit around and wait to be picked when he has an option? Mm-hmm. So I don't understand mm. the whole thing about passion. I think he's passionate enough when he was playing for 21s, etc. Just he wasn't picked. So was he going to wait around all year, you know, rest of his life to get picked by England? Mm. And then so Saha, in response, uh, put out a statement saying, in the light of recent comments and reports questioning Wilfred's desire or passion to play for England. Now, I must add that I think someone's read this statement on behalf of him and he's not referring to himself in the third person. <laughs> well, not only that, if you listen to some of the words in the statement, I'm sure Wilfred hasn't written it. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. I don't know what you're saying about Croydon's education, education system there um, anyway Wilfred's desire or passion to play for England I feel it is important to set the record straight Wilfred uh, did not impose a single time scale or set a date by which he had to be selected by England there was no disappearing egg timer the private meeting with Mr Southgate was very amicable However, the fact remains that Wilfred made his decision to play for the Ivory Coast prior to Mr Southgate being appointed interim and subsequently England manager. It was Wilfred's personal choice and it was his right as a senior player to accept the opportunity to represent the nation of his birth and that of his family heritage. His desire or passion should never have been publicly questioned for making that decision. Wilfred is very proud of his family and very proud to represent the Ivory Coast, most recently demonstrated by his performance against Russia. <laughs> so, um, and I've, I think that's fair. I, I think it's really, really unfair to question his desire to play for Ivory Coast or England. And um, I think there's been a lot. I've experienced this a lot in the past, especially from uh, people I know that go to a lot of England games, that this belief that England are high and mighty and sit above everyone else and um, my one of the arguments I had is in reality who do you think will win a major tournament before England or Ivory Coast which one do you think has got more of a chance exactly. um, and and this sort of like uh, holier than thou attitude from England uh, English footballers came through with Danny Mills saying would you rather play for England or the Ivory Coast ultimately he's taken the easier option and thought 
well, I might get a few more caps and I might play in a few more tournaments because my chances of England are probably going to be limited. Gareth just means that he wants people to fight for the shirt and if you don't get in, you don't get in. I probably did over 30 squads and never got any game time, sat in the stands, sat on the bench, but you still turn up every single time in that hope that you might get the chance to take it. It's just an easy option for Saha going to play somewhere else. Now let's <laughs> look aside from the fact that Danny Mills has actually compared himself as a footballer to Wilfred Zaha. Yep, we just, exactly. We'll let that one slide like water off a duck's back because that's absolutely ridiculous. But is it the easy option, Nick? I mean, it doesn't seem like an easy option to me. There's a lot of things we could talk about on this, and I'll start off with the England setup, if you like. Uh, I sat there and watched that uh, car crash of a match the other night and hated every minute of it. And a part of me was thinking um, how much different the team would have played. And and I haven't been his biggest fan, but if Townsend was on one side and Wilf was on the other side, it would have been a completely different game entirely because it was a car crash, uh, coupled up with the fact that I can't stand watching England games because the prong sandwich brigade, I looked at 58 minutes and they still hadn't, hadn't come back to half-time. I know I'm going off the the, the point here, but the, the other thing was with Zaha, um, it was his choice. And why should he have to wait around? A guy with that talent, it's his choice, his decision. Okay, I think England, this will stick in England's craw for many years to come because he is a talent and they know that they've missed the boat on it. Otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be making such a big issue of it. This week, yeah. So, Patrick, when um, you're looking at England Lithuania the other day and you see Lithuania sticking 10 men behind the ball and in big stubborn blocks, what what kind of player do you need to be able to break that down? I don't know, a uh, guy like Wolf Zaha, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the thing, you know. I mean, I, I love, I love, like, I read the one of the few players I like watching for England is, is is Raheem Sterling. But there aren't those those type of players. They're just so few and far between. And, and Wolves is that type of a player. It could, you know, break down a ten man uh, defense. So I don't understand. I'm with Nick. I don't understand why those comments have to be made about Wolf. Why denigrate him? You know, once you play for his country's birth, that's fine. This whole thing about the passion for England. Everybody talks about the passion for playing for England, but. Again, I don't know when next time they're going to win a, a major tournament. So you've got to do what's best for yourself. And again, I don't, I, watching England sometimes can be very dis, very disappointing and or very boring. So I don't do it as much as I used to. Well, when you look at the passion that he puts in when he's playing in um, a Palace shirt, I can't, I can't question that. So you can't say that he's not a passionate man. And if, the, and if the England setup decided that he wasn't passionate enough about it, maybe deep down the decision was right for Will Vizar to play Ivory Coast because I don't think there's any doubting the passion that he's been showing since he's uh, moved across there. Uh, well, I have we'll one more thing, Terence, just to add to the England setup. I, I, I really question who picks the players because I cannot believe that it's actually the manager because why in God's name is Luke Shaw getting picked when he can't even get picked for his own club team? Now, everybody says, I know there's a dearth of left-backs and that's why he's picked, but the guy hasn't played he hasn't played the whole season. So is it a selector's making that selection? There's no way Southgate could have really seen him play and said, you know what, I'm picking him as my left-back. So right. to me, the whole, the, whole, the whole system is messed up. It's a, it's a joke. Well, it, he will say it as showing faith in a player that showed form before his injury and so on. But right, but... My, my question would be, if he wasn't a Manchester United player, exactly. if he was still at Southampton, would you still no be chance. picking him? Exactly. And, and, and I think that... As much as they like to say it's not, he's not there. Just look at the squad: Luke Shaw, Jesse Lingard. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sorry. The fact that those players can just walk into that squad is ridiculous. And, but um, and, and, and bringing that back last on, point on this. Yeah, last point. Bringing that back online. And if Will Zaha was still playing for Man United, guess which country he'd be playing for? <laughs> mm. There you go. 
right there. End it right there. I agree. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get into talking about the game, and we'll we'll stick with Zaha for the second. It, in his Palace career, he's only ever really scored against a big team once. And uh, can I call Liverpool a big team still? <laughs> I want to go, no, me- mediocre teams. So um, is the next stage, Patrick, for him after, you know, this the big week that he's had for Ivory Coast, scoring that amazing goal, having that great highlights reel that the world has seen? You know, you've, he's got journalists actually sticking up for him now. Um, uh, Barney Rone of The Guardian today wrote, has wrote a brilliant piece sticking up for Wilfred. Do you think it's now perfect timing against Chelsea this weekend for him to actually just carry on with that baton and really take it to a team and put us in a lot of <laughs> uh, for, for pressure in the summer transfer window? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you think about, you know, in the past he scored, you know, big big goals against Brighton, get us promoted, etc., and getting a win in the, you know, winning the penalty. He's played some really great matches for us, but you're right, against the top four or five, he really hasn't performed well or scored. So I agree, performance like the Russia performance or or any performance for Ivy Coast, honestly, he's played so well for them would, would be great. And um, it, it couldn't come in a better time for us because um, we, we, would, we, could, we would dearly love a win this weekend against Chelsea and who better <laughs> carry us there than Wilf. It would, it would be a great story, really would. Yeah, so do you think Wilf's got it in him this weekend, Nick, to give Chelsea the run around? He won't score this weekend, unfortunately, sadly. He will give them the run around uh, because he won't score because Ben Tecker's going to get his hat trick this weekend. So uh, <laughs> Zah, Zah won't get anywhere near it. But no, um, I would be satisfied to come away there for a, with a point with another good performance. That's the key because forget the results recently. The results have been on our side. Yep, I quite agree with that. But a couple of the, a couple of the performances have been mediocre at best okay they, we might have snuck, snuck a win here and there but they haven't been great performances what i want to see this saturday even if we lose this weekend is a good performance by the, by the team and ben Teke, you touched on there patrick him scoring two goals at belgium in midweek has to be a, a good thing for his confidence right yeah i mean allardyce talked about it after the last match at power important he looks like he's suffering from confidence um issues so to score those two goals even though I think you and I could have scored those two goals yesterday, Terence. They were that easy. Um, but <laughs> oh, this... the first one, I would never have got up that high. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not, with my, not with my knees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I hope he carries it over again. He, he's a player that we're going to... I mentioned on, on the previous show. We need, we need, we're going to need him to score goals. We haven't needed him yet as far as the last few matches. We're going to need him to step up. And I think Chelsea would be a, would be a great start for him to kind of get back on that goal scoring. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. Um, Nick... So, what are our chances this weekend? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what lineup he goes with. And you mentioned earlier about this uh, Sacco Tompkins partnership, and there's no no way back in for Ward. I've got my own personal uh, thoughts on. Uh, there's no way back in for Dan. No, no back in, way back in for Dan. It's actually Dan I'm coming on to. Um, I actually think it's an opportunity for Dan to uh, go with. Let's go with three at the back um, and put. Uh, Dan in between Tompkins and, and Sacco uh, and just to tie it up a little bit. Otherwise, they could end up potentially run, running right over us. Um, it depends what lineup he goes with. If he goes with the existing, the four four two system or 4-2-1-1 or whatever it is he's been playing, um, I think it'll be difficult for us. But I would like to see us play five at the back this weekend. Yeah, what do you think, Padre? Do you think he'll, he'll match the 3-4-3 three, three of Chelsea to sort of try and snuff out their abilities? I think it'd be a, a wise move. I don't think he'll do it because I don't think he'll put Dan back in. 
Um, we have had two weeks off. So I guess if they've worked on it over the you know over the, the break as possible. Um, I'm I'm with Nick. I'd like to see I'd like to see somebody assist Benteke. I think the last match you could tell that he was lacking the support of you know Will for Townsend. I guess some point Kabai and Townsend push. I mean Townsend uh, punching sorry pushing on and helping him. So they have to have a like, let's say a Remy or someone to support him. Like that will happen. I think he's going to go with the same lineup honestly that we had. I think maybe Van Arnholt comes in for Schlupp, though, if he's, if he's fit. But Remy couldn't yeah. play anyway, could he? Because he's... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. He's, he's a... He's, player, my fault. He's, a he's, a, he's a lone player. He's also a myth anyway. He doesn't really play. <laughs> I don't even think he exists. I think you're right. Exactly. <laughs> Poor Loic. <laughs> Get well soon, sir. We might need you in the run-in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Right, so we got to talk Hennessy because Patrick's on, and he's already he's already dug him out a bit. But there is no denying the stats, and it's three clean sheets in a row for the Welshman. So, Patrick, do you think this is Sam Allardyce helping helping him, or do you think it's bad finishing from the opposition or good defending? What, what what's what's going on with Wayne? I think it's a combination. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dig about, but I'm gonna state the facts. Um, we've definitely improved. Uh, a lot having Van Anholt and or Schlupp at left back, having um, Sacco at centre-half with Tomkins and obviously having Milivojevic in the middle to kind of protect the back four. That's been, to me, the biggest improvement. I think overall, you'll see, you've seen a big dif- uh, uptick in Townsend defensive work. Ward's defensive work has improved, you know, punch and goodbye, etc. I think the defence as a whole, the midfielders work really well together. Looking at the stats, Terence, I think he's made... In the last three matches, I think he's made two, four, and one save. So as much as much as I really want to give him credit, it's difficult to give him credit when the stats just don't they don't back it up. He hasn't made like he's made ten saves a game, and out of those three matches and those three uh, clean sheets, I'm trying to think of a. I know he made one really good save against um. I'm going to say Borough. Maybe it was, but I don't really think of a you know I can't think of a, of a save that I can think of that I can say well you know what no it's definitely he definitely made a good save against Borough that kind of kept us in that match, it was but, a, but right but again I Watford I don't think he made a made a save of of impact and then, uh, Bournemouth well, he, nearly, he, he tried to mess one up for well, long again, range and then and then and then in both in the last three matches he, he dropped he dropped high balls in the box towards the end so again I don't want to I don't want to dig him out I just think it's a combination of him being <laughs> extremely lucky. And us playing a lot better defensively. I'll give Actually, him credit. Do you know? Do you know I think I'm doing him a disservice as well because obviously you got his clean sheet for Wales in there as well. So it's four clean sheets in a it row. Is, it is four. And let me save the mid against against uh, against um. Ireland. Yeah. I think he made it, five. Apparently, he dropped across as well in that, right? Oh, so you didn't see? He did. Drop. It was very Palace-esque that that performance. So. <laughs> And they're, and they're a good defensive team, Wales. So I give him credit for that. But again, I, again, hopefully he'll keep that streak up. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, be, I mean, um, it'd be particularly hard on anybody uh, if you come off the back of three or four clean sheets for anybody to step aside uh, and bring anybody else in, which I don't think it would be even in the uh, manager's plans. But exactly. where, is, where is Steve Mandanda? He's fully fit. Where is Steve? That's a great yeah, question. I, I think we're never going to find out exactly what's happened there at least not for a couple of years he'll yeah, probably go in the summer and then in a couple of years we'll find out exactly what's happened but I think the the line at the moment is the everyone believes it's homesickness but you know Mandanda has said that that's not the case so we shall have to wait and see uh, final bit on the game Craig Pawson will be the referee 
It's not the first time that he's refereed a Crystal Palace Chelsea game. A couple of years back, he uh, sent off Azpilicueta and Damien Delaney in the same match. So Didn't help. Still lost. Yeah, we still lost. <laughs> we did indeed. But I mean, the Azpilicueta was an absolute stonewall sending off. He's got. Absolutely. He went over the top of the ball, studs yeah. up. But Damien Delaney went for two fouls in two minutes and. It was all on the grounds of Chelsea players surrounding the referee. So do you expect, um, Nick, this weekend that it's going to be a Chelsea influencing the referee and us having to put up with another poor performance from an official? You know what the elephant man's like up top for Chelsea. He'll, he's um, old Costa. He'll play act up for Paulson all afternoon in readiness to get somebody sent off. That's what he does. He gets in the faces of the, the defenders. Um, I think the best thing, I quite I quite honestly believe the best thing is that Delaney doesn't play because Delaney is the sort of player that would react to somebody like Costa, even though I know he's controlled him before. Uh, I'm quite happy that we've, we've got Sacco and Tonkin side by side because I think they're, they're quite level-headed and they won't react to his his obvious clear antics, and so I'm, I'm quite. The other question I've got for you is: John Terry playing for them? Palace's top striker? No, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he'll be playing for them again. Will he? Really, he might get one run out at the end of the season or something. Unless they want, I don't know. Unless they want to try and give him enough appearances for um, to get a medal. I don't, I don't. I don't know. It's Would it matter? Terry, he'll still care. come out, change, and and put pick up the trophy anyway. It doesn't make a difference. He doesn't care. <laughs> you're right <laughs> so um <clears throat> right let's i think we'll move on from there we're gonna get uh trizio on the phone after this little jingle uh that is at terence the cat on twitter and um she's gonna give us the lowdown on chelsea homesdale radio preview podcast sponsored by fanjul.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football hi trizio it's terence from homesdale radio Oh, hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? That's, that's not not much enthusiasm from um, a team that's running away with the title now. I'm still nervous. How? So so let's let's go straight in then. Can you can you can you really see you throwing it away this season? I I do not want to anger the footballing gods. It's just uh, I don't know. Everybody is so convinced we've done it, and I just don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> so um, it's obviously a fantastic, that, fantastic job that um, Conte has been doing down there. And when we spoke uh, back in December uh, before the game at Sellers, you were you were full of praise for the Italian. Um, I assume yeah. not much has changed since then. No, if anything, he's just impressed me even more. He seems to handle situations well. His passion, his he just seems to have the right amount of everything. And uh, you know, we we couldn't have asked for a better manager. Mm, certainly right and um, you've got to enjoy those celebrations up and down the touchline right <laughs> yeah they're just they're just so purely explosive you know they're so it's nothing sort of put on or you know planned you can see it you can see him sort of on the touchline kicking every ball shouting screaming and then when the goal goes in he's just like a fan and it's it's just really nice to see 
And what did what did you make of the whole Jose saying he um, was humiliating him in that? Was it for four? Was it four nil that game? Oh, it's it's so funny, you know, because like a lot of Chelsea fans have really got angry with a lot of what Jose's saying this season. It's like they forgot what he did when he was with us. Jose does this with people that he fears, you know, teams that he fears, teams that he wants to try and unsettle. We should take it as a compliment at the end of the day. I, I've got no issue with anything. Jose says if it's when he stops talking about you that you really got to worry because then he just doesn't see you as a threat. Mm. So you was uh, you also said last time you was on that you was gutted to see Jose go, but um, happy with Conte and what he's done. Yeah. But um, so still no love lost after that. You still you're still alright with Jose even after that. Yeah, I mean I'm, I I will never ever you know bemoan Jose. He he. He took us to the promised land, not once, but three times. He he did everything for us. So for me, he'll always be the special one, despite what he says. And I know he says it was all tongue in cheek. But that said, you know, the king is dead. Long live the king. And we, we just love Conte. Trizia, the promised land is getting promoted to the Premier League. You need to rephrase that, OK? <laughs> it's, it's different in our vocabulary. Um, and one one other thing that we, uh, we touched on last time we spoke was Victor Moses. How are you feeling about mm. him now? You said you wasn't so much of a fan back then. Has he been swaying you? No. Sorry. <laughs> if anything, I just think he's getting progressively worse. I'm, I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. Conte has got the very best out of him. And um, every every member of the squad has played their part this year. But if I think if Conte had the absolute choice, I think he'd look to replace him. And I, I think he will look to replace him um, in, in the close season. OK, interesting. Right, let's move on to non-ex-Paddish players. Uh, Aidan Hazard, <laughs> Courtois and Costa have all appeared to mm. make miracle recoveries over the international mm. break. What, what happened there? <laughs> I don't know. To, to be fair, um, Hazard has been carrying an injury. Um, you know, he's. Um, I mean, I, isn't I don't he the know. most kicks player in the Premier League? It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I remember once seeing um, a picture after a game of his socks, and literally they were ripped and they were bloodied. And I mean, it, it's just the Stoke game and and the, and the Man United game. They targeted him, and it was as if both managers had basically set up a, a schedule of who's to, who's to kick him in, in what in which minute and <laughs> it's it's ridiculous i mean he 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 gets a little protection but you know i think i think the, even the referee gets gets bored of blowing the whistle every two minutes every time he's fouled yeah um i think yeah i think it's hazard is the most foul player in the premier league and wilfred zaha's behind behind him in second place um, like 20 <laughs> fouls off but I know from the fact that Wilfred Zaha probably only gets half the fouls given against him in a game that he should get and I'd imagine it's probably quite similar with Hazard um, right so look if you had to give a player of the season now to a Chelsea player who would it be <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've got a, I've got an idea Do you know we actually discussed this in the pub the other day and um, there's probably three up there but I think I'd have to give it to Kante. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the, only that just, was who I was only just. Uh, my suspicions. Uh, do you think I mean, he's been a major difference this season? I think he's been a revelation. I, I think he has... I mean, what he does in, in the middle of that part, he just he just gives something extra to every player because he gives them all a little bit, of t- bit more time, each of them a little bit more space. And he, he is... I mean, he just runs and runs 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And as he never, ever seems to get tired. And every time the ball is lost, whether he's lost the ball or someone else loses the ball, he's there getting it back, you know. And he's barely had a bad game this season. So, I mean, I just think, like I said, I think he's been a revelation. Right, so now going on to how you've, Chelsea will have been performing recently, uh, the mm. two goals and three goal victories have sort of gone down to one goal victories. Mm. Do you think that's... Um, uh, sort of teams figuring out how to play the Chelsea style a bit better at the moment, or would you put it more down to that it's just Conte seeing out the season? Um, no, I think because I think Jose was very good at that, wasn't he? He was very good at yeah, once he, he felt the title was won, he, it'd just be one nil victories across the board. I think it's sort of a couple of things, really. I think partly, obviously, people are you know, managers are watching our games and 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 figuring out a little bit more how to, to try and stop us as players, but I think, um Costa being on his own up front doesn't help. You know, he's he's often man-marked by at least two players and he's struggling at the moment to get, to get a goal. Uh, so we're relying on the likes of Hazard and William to, to get those goals. So the margins are, are slimmer than they were. Um, but fortunately, because our defence is, is, is playing quite well and, as I said, Kante and, and, and Matic, when he plays, uh, are playing well in front of them. We're just mm. just about getting away with it, but that's what makes me nervous. You see, the fact that, that our, our victories have gone down to, to, to sort of small margins, and um, I mean that said, we, we need six to win it. Um, but I just need to get to those six quickly because my nerves aren't going to take it. <laughs> yes, uh, we we need six more points, I think, to um, stay up. So <laughs> I think we need them more than you do. Um, but I don't know if going going into this game, do you do you think it's an easy win for Chelsea? Do you think it'll, despite our decent form recently, I mean, in terms of results, it's still going to just be a bit of a walk in the park for Chelsea? Um, no, because I, I, I honestly believe that no no game is walk, uh, a walk in the park especially when you look at the Premier League you know anyone can seems to be able to beat anyone um, I think obviously Palace will obviously be going for it because as you said they, they need the points I hope they don't resort to sort of the black arts to try and stop us but then and, and again this shows you know it's no disrespect but um, perhaps you haven't got the players to try and stop the likes of Hazard any other way. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of game um, we're, we're going to see, really. 
Well, since the last um, time we played, we've added Luka Milivojevic in the centre of the park, and he's certainly a, a tough tackling <laughs> Serbian <laughs> defensive midfielder. So um, I'm sure he'll be patrolling around Aiden Hazard. But um, and I think the difference between this time and last time will be. Um, I joked last time that Alan Pardew would try and go toe-to-toe with Chelsea because that's just how he is. And uh, we didn't end up getting run over. But uh, it, as soon as you took the lead in the last game against us, it was the, you just shut up shop and we were never going to break you down despite having a lot of the ball. But this time, I think we'll let you come on to us a lot more and we'll, we've gone back to sort of the older ways of playing, of hitting on the counter-attack and using the pace of Zaha and Townsend. So uh, we'll be looking to exploit those times I ever commit. Yeah, it seems to be working for you. You know, the last few games, obviously, um, you've been getting the results. And But I'm hoping that we've still got a little bit too much quality for you. And um, I'm hoping, you know, we see a few of Hazard's mazy runs. And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking that's where that's where the goals will probably come from. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that we're going to see lots of Aiden Hazard and Maisie runs into a Serbian brick wall in the middle of the park. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll end on a, we'll end on your prediction. What do, what do you think the score is going to be? Um, we do seem to concede, so I'm going to give you a goal. Um, I'm going to be really confident for a change. I'm going to say three-one. Three-one. Well, you predicted two-nil last time and it finished one-nil, so you weren't too yeah. far off from that time. So hopefully you'll be way way worse this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, Trezia, thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. And um, we'll speak to you again next season. No problem. Good luck, apart from this weekend, obviously. <laughs> Cheers, Trez. Take care. Cheers, bye-bye. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, it's now predictions times. Um, Nick. You were talking about a Benteke hat-trick earlier. So, enlighten me on your prediction. Yeah, but that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Um, I think we do well to come away from there with a point. So, I'm going to be boring. Okay, uh, I, I can't predict us losing. I just can't do it. It's not in my DNA. So, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Okay, well, Wheel on Facebook has gone for a 1-0 Palace win. Uh Jagerbomb Chris has said we'll lose 2-1 um, Andy Balding has said 2-2 no who am I kidding it's going to be 3-0 Chelsea uh, lose by 2 says Lynn and Sean Perry has also gone for a 1-0 win as has Grant Gillard saying 1-0 over Townsend Worldy and Carl Tushingham is that a real name has gone 2-0 to Cheatsky as he calls them Patrick <laughs> How's your optimism over there? It's not bad. Um, unlike Nick, I don't care about performance. I care about results. And um, I've noticed that in the past, um, Allardyce always finds a way to beat or play these top teams. Well, last year, Sunderland drew Arsenal 0-0 late and they beat Chelsea 3-2. Um, I'm not going to go crazy with a 3-2 win for Palace, but I think we can get something out of it. So I'm going to actually go with a, a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. Wow, that's optimistic. Um, I, I, I predicted a win in the in the last one. I think I said 2-0 and it finished 1-0. I'm getting, I'm getting closer, Dick. <laughs> um, but I, I can't bring myself to predict anything other than a loss for this one. I think it will be tight. And um, I put a poll out on the whole radio Twitter account earlier and asked um, what what you guys thought the result would be 17% said win 24% said draw 
and the rest said loss, but 42% saying a creditable loss, and I'm going to go with that. I, I think um, I think we'll lose 2-1 in a tight affair, a tight affair, and we'll probably feel like a referee decision somewhere down the line has screwed us over, you know, all of that sort of jazz. And um, Well, on that subject, Intel, as you, I don't think you've got one right all season, and working on the premise that <laughs> you just said that we, we've, we're going to lose 2-1, I'm now feeling a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone was... Every season, every every time you predict us to lose, every single time. But I've been on this show now four times. You've never predicted us to win one match. Not <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, did, I did predict us to win the Watford match 2-0. So, I was not uh, Watford, that's why, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll um we'll see what happens. I, you know... I, I guess we go into the game in confidence. We're going to have an absolute buzzing Wilfred Zaha coming back from international duty and Christian Benteke. Um, we've got a team that is, you know, off the back of three clean sheets, three wins. Um, you know, Chelsea players just coming back from injury might catch them on an off day. You never know. But look, there, there's a reason why they're that many points clear at the top of the league. And um, defensively, they're very, very good. And they have the quality up front. So they're pretty much the full package in that sense. God, I hate talking about them like this. I hate Chelsea. I hope everything <laughs> falls apart and it crumbles. Uh, right, let's end the predictions there. Next up uh, is a classic match. And this, this week, we're going to remember... One of this arguably the classic, I would guess, from 1976 at Stamford Bridge. Good challenge by Riddle and brought away by Chatterton, and Peter Taylor is on side. Being joined now by Chatterton Square, but Taylor goes alone and goes well. Oh, it hit the bar! Chatterton's there. It's the 14th of February 1976 and it's the FA Cup fifth round. There's 54,407 blokes inside the bridge that would all be later in the doghouse for going to the football on Valentine's Day, I would imagine. <laughs> um, 
One of those, 54407, was a 13-year-old Nick Philpot. Now you can place his age. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Like, like you haven't told the listeners every week how old I am. <laughs> um, uh, the lineups: uh, Eddie McCready's Chelsea lined up with Peter Benetti, who um, used to be my work colleague's ins- used to his house insurance. That was what he went into when he retired. Those world cast players from back in that day must look at the current crop and just be really, really angry at them. Yeah, Gary Locke, Ron Harris, Charlie Cook, Mickey Droy. Ron Harris would probably be talking about um, Eden Hazard's bloody socks and tell him to get up, as Trizia was touching on earlier. <laughs> Man up a uh, bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ron Chopper uh, Harris. Yeah. Indeed. Steve Wicks, Ian Britton, a 19-year-old Ray Wilkins, who was captain of Chelsea that day, Teddy Maybank, Kenny Swain and Bill Garner. Um, For Malcolm Allison's Crystal Palace, it was Paul Hammond, Peter Wall, Jim Cannon, Derek Jeffries, Stuart Jump, Ian Evans, friend of Whole Radio, Nicky Chatterton, Martin Martin Hinchwood, Alan Whittle, David Swindlehurst and Peter Taylor. So, going into this one, we're obviously Division 3 and Chelsea, they were Division 1, weren't they? I'm not going mental. No, they were. They were, yeah. They were. Um... What was the feeling around the time, around the country and the press? Did anyone give us a chance, Nick? Oh, it, it was it was a, a little bit like this weekend. Everybody believes we're hiding to nothing. We're not going to get anything out of the game. Uh, doom and gloom. Uh, Crystal Palace doing quite well in the cup. Let's go and watch them get slaughtered. And that was. And I, but there was also the local feeling. And yeah, you know, I was I was I was doing a bit of research on this earlier on, and I come up with some interesting stuff on this. Actually, there was some local feeling that pe- people actually in the Croydon area were saying that they actually thought we were going in there as favourites because Chelsea hadn't been playing that well, and what with the likes of. Uh, Taylor and the squad and so on and so forth and Dave Swindle as Alan Will um, you know people locally were saying actually we're actually going in favourites because the, we are the informed team in Division 3 well 54,400 was their biggest attendance in over three and a half years so there was obviously signs that the fans had given up on the bit um I think the commentator referred to the big stand, the, the new main stand that they had in as the white elephant because it was usually empty and it was the first time that it had been full um, since they put it up. And um, But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think as a Division 3 side, you might have a feeling that you're going as favourites, but you've got, to, you've got to think that they should have enough quality. And um, 19-year-old Ray Wilkins, Patrick, was, was he good? Yeah. Um, Nick, it was Butch Wilkins back then, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, um, I remember when he came up here. He has a brother that yeah, a brother that played. But yeah, he was um, he was actually like the the next like great England midfielder coming through because back then, uh, you know, England '76 wasn't a great time to be an England fan. Hadn't made the '74 uh, World Cup, so we were kind of rebuilding back then. So yeah, he was a he was a classy midfielder. I really liked him as as a, as a player. And the fact he captained Chelsea at 19 showed you how good that you know they saw him at being as far as potential. Do you know, I found mm. something out about Ray Wilkins today that I didn't know, okay? And this is working on the premise that Wikipedia is actually telling the truth. <laughs> do you do you know that uh, Ray Butch Wilkins played for Palace? Oh, I knew yeah, that. Did. Yeah. I didn't, always, I didn't know always, that. Yeah, he was always injured, though. He hardly played. He, he, was injured he, made, he made one appearance for Palace in 1994, yeah. and I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he did, indeed. Um, Houghton team, right? Uh, Terrence with Houghton was on a team. Yep. Ah, uh, was yeah, it then? Just, okay. Yep. Yeah, so, um, right, the game gets us to the start with um, 
Chelsea on the front foot really and Hammond um, pulls off a brilliant save to deny Gary Locke. It was it was frustrating watching back the highlights that they that you know they love to instant replay the goals, but they they wouldn't instant replay the saves and it was. Um, it was an excellent save down to his right to push the ball wide, and then. Uh, but Paddis started to fight back a bit, and Ian Evans headed over a Peter Taylor free kick. Now, <laughs> just give us a feel before the goals went in. What, what was the atmosphere like in the crowd, Nick? I, can't, I don't know how many Palace fans were there that day, but there wasn't the limitations on away fans. The only limitations were. It was in the away end, okay? It was, what did they used to call it, uh, Patrick? It was the North, North Stand, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in the North Stand. Yeah. Um, and if you could fill the North Stand, great, that was your allocation. There wasn't this, you know, certain percentage per the crowd and everything else. So the place was rocking. I'm not convinced, however, because Palace in those days didn't have a tremendous away support like they do these days. They had a good away support, but not a tremendous away support. Um, because of who we were playing, I've got a sneaky and a little story, a little anecdote I'm going to come on to later. I'm not so certain that some of those away fans in the Palace end that day weren't Millwall supporters as well, because they had <laughs> they had very very little time for Chelsea fans anyway. Yeah. Okay. So um, the commentator says Chelsea have got eight forward in this attack, which shows that um, they were really going for us. But Whittle puts in a great tackle on Charlie Cook. And Nicky Chatterton sprays this ridiculous outside of the boot, right-footed pass to the right um, to find Peter Taylor, and he just goes off and one. He beats a couple of players, gets in from quite a tight angle, smashes an absolutely ridiculous effort towards goal, and it cannons off the crossbar and just bounces down kindly for Chatterton. Although watching it back, even though I wasn't born, I wasn't a Palace fan. His first touch makes me nervous because it falls Who chatters, down to him. Yeah, no. yeah, it falls down to him in front of an empty goal, and it it takes him probably a little bit longer than it should to get it under control and fire it in, <laughs> but smashes it into an empty net. So, what was it like in the stands then when that went in? I don't know because I think I was on the floor. Um, <laughs> it was again. Don't forget, we're talking about the days of standing terraces, just the bars uh, yep. in the terraces, um, and one bloke, Mate, surges, proper surges, and yep. and I'm a little virginal thirteen year old boy. Okay, and I was the first one to hit the deck. I think, but it was just go. It was pandemonium. It was fantastic. Well, and if that wasn't enough, then two minutes later, <laughs> um, again Chelsea are piling the men forward and lose possession. And Whittle finds Taylor this time with a pass, and he cuts inside and plays a lovely one too with Chatter- Chatterton and. Bends the ball into the bottom corner and giving Benetti no chance, really. And this man may well have won the tie in the space of two minutes, shouted the commentator. And then, I mean, obviously, pa- the, 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 it's pandemonium in the stands. The, the the camera pans across. But what was interesting, I saw, was it showing like a kind of like a mosh pit had opened up, like a huge circle. Now, I'm assuming that was more to do with trouble than the actually actually celebrating the goal. Nick. Okay, the mosh pit wasn't a mosh pit. The mosh pit was actually, what it actually was, was that was the start of the bonfire. And to this day, <laughs> do you know when, when I told my wife tonight, this afternoon, that we were reviewing this, uh, she said, please don't tell me you're going to tell him about the bloody bonfire. Because... <laughs> And I am about to tell you about the bonfire. Now, like I said, I've got a sneaky suspicion some of these fans might have been infiltrated from outside, but um, 
all the news of the world, the Daily Mirrors, the Suns, all got ripped up into this pile in the middle of that in the crop circle that you just described. Well, okay? that's where they belong, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you've got to be quite happy to know they set it on light. And this was on <laughs> fire. In ben, There was no roof. There was no danger, no immediate danger or anything like that. They just <laughs> no, had a no there's never a danger setting a fire in... in... <laughs> In amongst 54,000 people. Absolute madness, that is. That really is. That's madness. But it actually <laughs> happened. But there's not that many people. Unless you were there, okay, it was never reported on. It was never, you know, you never hear about it. You can't see it on the telly, on the on the pictures that I saw back today. But you're right. The, with the surges and the party that had started, bear in mind, there was the obvious thing about this because we know what's going to follow. This is Palace we're talking about, for God's sake. So we're 2-0 up in the cup, okay? We shouldn't be 2-0 up in the cup against the first division team. Uh, we have the bonfire but we all yeah we all were realists we all knew what was going to come next and sure enough you're about to come onto it yeah well before we get into that the um chelsea dead we go in obviously at the break two and up and uh chelsea come out of the blocks fast um but paul hinshelwood uh, sorry martin hinshelwood sorry a bit too early for paul um has a golden chance to make it three nil a brilliant cross from peter taylor and he puts his header just wide of the post and then, in <laughs> if you look at the extended highlights of this on YouTube, you can if you just type in Chelsea Two Crystal Palace Three. There's a video that's approximately 17 minutes long. Um, it's an absolutely ast- astounding piece of footage for someone who you know was born in the 80s. Um, uh, <laughs> Mickey Joy goes down for Chelsea, and he's got an arm injury, and the the camera goes on to uh, the seating area of uh, Stamford Bridge. And, um, well, first of all, Palace are playing on and there's, you know, Joy is down and the commentator isn't saying, oh, they're not putting the ball out of play. This is terrible. You know, apparently happy to just play on. Um, but the ref eventually stops the play. And, and in the pause, when the ref stops the play, the camera turns around and it says, um, a worrying time for Chelsea chairman Brian Mears in the front row there. Just taking a light from the lady next to him. That's <laughs> Mrs. Mears. Michael Caine is next to Mrs. Mears in the front row with the spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just so much to be going on with there. Imagine Roman Abramovich turning to his wife, to one of his many wives, I assume, to take a, to take a light from her. In, but that's in... what you did. You all smoked at the football grounds those days. You all did it. It was just, you see blokes there with his pipe going and all that sort of that. That's what football was in those days. <laughs> uh, but uh, so anyway, after that, Mickey Joy does end up going off injured, and he is replaced by David Hay. No, not that David Hay. Um, Paul Hammond. Let's talk about Paul Hammond a little bit because he makes a brilliant save. Uh, it's just before they score; they actually score from the resulting corner. But he makes a brilliant save from a Ghana header from point blank range. Was Paul Hammond a good keeper, Patrick? I think so. Um, mm-hmm. I started watching Palace before Hammond with John Jackson was a Palace hero. So Hammond was like the second keeper I ever saw. And I thought he was a very good keeper. The problem was he was a goalie on a team that got relegated from, you know, the first to second to the third. So um, he doesn't, he gets, he takes a lot of, you know, he doesn't get as much, um, I think, appreciation as he does. But during that run, then when we beat Leeds and Chelsea to get to the semi-final, I thought he was brilliant. And again, I just thought he was a really underrated keeper for Palace. And I think going back in our history, we talk about, you know, Spironi, obviously, and, Burridge and obviously Nigel Martin mm. and John Jackson. But I think he, you know, he's probably seventh or eighth in line as far as our top keepers. But I think he was, to, for me again, that was, you know, I was, I was 10 years old back then, but it was, I thought it was a really 
goal. And he had a he had a great game against Chelsea that day. Yeah, although he was a he was a grim human being because um, <laughs> while he's waiting for that corner to come in, he gets uh, Martin Hinshelwood to spit on his hands so he can um, <laughs> get some purchase, which is absolutely disgusting. No, I understand. You, hold, hold maybe on, your hold, own. Hold, 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 no, no stop, 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 stop. Exactly. No gloves, but he can't spit in his own hands. But that's I was about to say, it's when the goalkeepers were men, okay, and they used to spit on their hands. I must admit, getting somebody else to spit on your hands is probably, probably a little bit too far, but that's when they were men. <laughs> well, as I said, anyway, Chelsea score from the resulting corner. It's um, It comes in, gets cleared out, a shot sort of bobbles through and finds Wilkins unmarked. And it's a bit harsher. Palace, Palace had been defending really, really well into that point. And um, it was going to take a bit of luck like that. It looked like for Chelsea to um, get the breakthrough and Wilkins hammered it past uh, Hammond in the goal. Um, and then 10 minutes later, frustration, uh, another corner. Wicks heads home at the back post to make it 2-2. You know, you go to a team of superior, supposedly superior opposition and you don't want to be undone by two set pieces. That should be your aim, really. But one thing I did notice in the background on an advertising holding when this goal went in was um, a sign that said, do see Emmanuel. Do you, if you guys want to shed any light on that? Well, I should. I mean, do you know <laughs> no what you saw? Okay, no I do know what you're talking I about. Okay. But I've got no comment regardless. Because you're a gentleman, that's why, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm not. <laughs> so, just just to clear it up, it, it's yeah. for clarity, they are advertising a porn movie at a football stadium. Okay, well, exactly. think think about it again. It was in the same era that during that cup run that Allardy- um, Allardyce, um, Malcolm Allison was uh, in filmed the bath, in yeah. the bath with the topless models and all the rest of it so yeah quite normal in those days okay so this goes in Chelsea fans are singing when Ron well I assume it sounded like Ron it might have been Ray because he was captain but I guess Ron was Ron Chopper Harris was more that captain wasn't he like a club captain when Ron goes up to lift the FA Cup we'll be there and um (laughs) that's not all that either right on cue Garner knocks over Whittle about 20 yards from goal dead centre and Taylor puts the ball down to take a free kick. Do you want to talk us through it, Nick? Yeah, very easily. Um, it was, we were probably 25 yards out, just outside the D. Uh, it was a dummy shot by Saunders. He steps over it. Taylor, top left-hand corner, top of the net. And in it goes. And, yeah, the, the, the funny thing was I was actually, again, listening back to it today. And... It's you're going to get your bleeping heads kicked in. Came out <laughs> instantaneously from the, the, the Neanderthals up the other end. I was going to call them Chelsea fans, but they don't call themselves fans because they're not very bright. They call themselves Chelsea. They don't realise it's got two <laughs> syllables in it, okay? So it's the Chelsea fans are going, singing, you're going to get your effing heads kicked in and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't remember much about after it, okay? I don't remember anything about coming home or the celebrations or anything like that but it was a great free kick uh, it was a worldy free kick from Taylor from just outside the box and talking of Taylor uh, Malcolm Allison later on remembered him by saying he used to bring the house down at Sellers Park the crowd would go berserk Patrick you were you would have seen Taylor play live many times I'd guess and as you would Nick was 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 he really that good Patrick he really was he was a, a different kind of a player uh we were lucky, well, I was lucky, because we had Don Rogers and then we had Peter Taylor follow him. And yeah. actually, it was a point where they had them both on the same on his team at the same time, which is brilliant. But yeah, just just a wonderful player. You know, back then, Terence, he was a 
a left-footed right winger, which is very, you know, it's, it's normal now, but back then it was very strange to have a, yep. a player on, well, on the opposite a, a side. A Malcolm Allison innovation. Exactly, exactly. He was like, you know what, it would, it would allow him to, you know, to cut in on his left foot. People were expecting that he could use his bo- he could use both feet. I mean, on the Chariton goal, he crossed it with his right foot, he's a crossbar. So he was, you know, but he was definitely more left-footed. And, you know, you see what, what he went on to be, he went on to play for Spurs in England, etc. Played for England when he was at Palace, a third division team. So it was brilliant. I used to absolutely love watching him play. I, I got the number 11 jersey back then just because of, of um, Peter Taylor. And it's a really a shame that his, his, his people who don't know him only see him as that really bad Palace manager because he was an absolutely phenomenal. Mm. It, it was like, honestly, it was like watching like a George Best back then play for Palace. He was that good. Well, lovely memories there. Um, we'll finish up that section there and we will be sure back after a short jingle. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, that's almost it. Um, thanks to Chelsea's Trizia for joining us, and um, <laughs> thank you to Billiam for producing. As always, welcome back to the fold, sir. And the Chelsea Review Show will be live on Sunday night from 8 p.m. Head to wholeradio.net or facebook.com forward slash wholeradio to listen live. If you can't listen live, as always, the podcast version will be out from about 10 p.m. on Sunday nights. Um, either of you two on this week? Uh, no, uh, no announcement yet. Don't know yeah, yet. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. No announcement. Keeping everyone waiting, but Hambo will be joined by three worthy adversaries, I imagine. Um, now, logistically, next week we play Southampton on Wednesday, so there will be no preview pod for that show. Um, and as Wednesday is our normal recording night, um, we haven't worked out yet when we're doing the preview podcast for Arsenal, but there will be one for Arsenal. Um, we just have to, you know, I have to would you croon the, um, the button monkeys. I mean, I mean the producers. <laughs> 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 to to change the night that we do it on um, but keep in touch with our socials for that more info on that um, so I think that's all that's left me to say is go and buy some tickets for the boat trip um, at Hull Radio or what's the Facebook group called again it's the Eagles have landed on your manor there you go or, con- um, or contact me at Nick Philpot 63 and I'll put you in touch there you go um, so thanks Nick and Patrick for joining me this week our pleasure. Look forward to seeing you all at the weekend. Indeed. Up the uh, indeed. And t- until <laughs> next time, whenever that is, <laughs> up the palace. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.